Down to Business on News Talk. Brought to you by FBD Travel Insurance for peace of mind when you travel. Visit fbd.ie today. Now, from nose jobs to facelifts, reattaching fingers, or reconstructing facial injuries, our next guests have done it all. This week, we're all about the business of plastic surgeons and delighted to be joined in the studio by Dr. Ailish Fitzgerald, Professor Jack Kelly, and Professor Sean Carroll. You're all very welcome to the programme. Jack, if I might start with you, could you define for us um, the difference between plastic and cosmetic surgery and maybe even throw in their reconstructive surgery? Because I think there, there may be some confusion, certainly in my head, as to what it is uh, the excellent work you guys actually do. Well, Bobby, thanks very much for having us on. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, it's a difficult topic in terms of explaining to people what exactly we do on a daily, on a day-to-day basis. Plastic surgery, everybody thinks when they Google plastic surgery, it's all about cosmetic surgery. Um, in terms of what we do on a day-to-day basis, we do a small amount of cosmetic surgery, but by and large, we perform a lot of reconstructive surgery. That involves things like major injuries, facial injuries, hand injuries, excision of skin cancers, burns, children born with congenital defects such as cleft lips and palates, um, and major reconstructions after breast surgery. So it's a wide array of operations that we become involved in. So is a, is a cosmetic surgeon or is there such a thing then as a cosmetic surgeon? Well, the two of them blend together. I mean, we're, we're all members of the Irish Association of Plastic Surgery, but part of plastic surgery and part of the training programme is about aesthetic surgery or cosmetic surgery. So within all of that umbrella, there is a, an area for training in aesthetic or cosmetic surgery as well. So the whole thing is sort of broadly encompassing of cosmetic and reconstructive surgery. OK. And you work out of Galway, is that right? I do. Yeah, OK. Let's introduce uh, Professor Sean Carroll. Uh, Sean, you're very welcome to the programme. You Thanks, work buddy. in the Beacon, is that right? The St. Vincent's University hospital in the beacon yeah okay yeah all right and uh, would you agree with jack then around the the, the 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 sort of definition piece yeah absolutely i think that um it's actually unfortunate that plastic surgery is referred to entirely as plastic surgery because there is this misunderstanding amongst the general population and uh yeah and we do um far more than just uh, cosmetic surgery which generally is a small part of uh of what we do and the rest is all the stuff that jack talked about um, you know, there are many, many issues surrounding it that we could talk for the rest of the weekend. We're not going to, Bobby, don't worry. Um, but uh, you know, one of the things is the training aspect of it. In order to be a decent surgeon, one needs to have the fundamental um, attributes of general surgery and the basics of plastic reconstructive surgery. And my feeling is that a lot of people who haven't gone through a training program and then reinvent themselves as, as cosmetic surgery uh, people have not done what we have done in terms of uh, general principles so that when you come up against a problem, which inevitably happens, it will always happen, you know the solutions. And, and I think the Irish Association would have um, some concerns about uh, about that aspect of things. Okay, so is it a simple, well, not to oversimplify it, but is it the case that if I was a, a, a just a, gener- a GP medical doctor and I qualified as such, I could call myself a plastic surgeon. Is it, is it that bad? It, it, you could call yourself a cosmetic surgeon. Yeah. Um, yes, it is that bad. And I always, I always equate it to training for the final ascent of Everest, 
without actually training to do all the other work underneath it. It yeah. just can't happen because, you know, stuff bad is bad stuff is going to happen um, sooner or later. And you need the fundamentals. <coughs> and some people don't have it. OK, let's bring in our third guest and delighted to welcome to the programme, Dr. Ailish Fitzgerald. Ailish, where are you working out of? I work entirely out of the Beacon Hospital. Okay. So I'm in full-time independent practice. Okay, you're very welcome to the programme. Can I ask you about Botox? Um, am I right in saying that Botox is a medicine that needs a prescription? I didn't find any that's, places. That's exactly right. So um, there, I think when we talk about injectables, there are injectable treatments, stuff that people have injected into their faces to change the appearance. There are two things and a lot of the time people will come to talk about Botox and in fact they're talking about fillers. So they're two slightly different things. Botox is a prescription medication. It's injected to weaken and stop movement in facial muscles and therefore it's predominantly used to treat lines and wrinkles which are dynamic. In other words, ones that appear when when somebody moves their face. The other commonly injected thing is a facial filler, which is I make the kind of analogy between polyfiller for a crack in the wall. And so it is actually classified as a medical device and it um, is not therefore subject to prescription. So that means an unqualified person could administrate a filler, but not Botox. In this country, and it does differ slightly from the UK, and there can be a lot of the pieces that people will read will pertain to the UK as well. So there is some confusion. In Ireland, qualified medical doctors and dentists can inject Botox. Those same people can inject fillers. And in addition to that, uh, qualified nurses can also inject fillers, but not Botox. In the UK, nurses can inject Botox and in a more unregulated environment there, it's also the case that beauticians can inject filler into people's faces. So these are people with no medical training whatsoever. And that's a very dangerous scenario. OK, uh, um, I'd like to invite Tex 53106. I've got three of the most imminent plastic surgeons in the country here in studio. If you've got any questions, we'll do our best to try and answer them. Jack, can I go back to you and about this survey uh, in the UK about the kind of difference between uh, male and female um, respondents, i.e. that the males are much more body focused and less face focused. Is that right? That's true. So there's an association in the UK, Bobby, called the British Association of Aesthetic um, Plastic Surgeons. And the members of that association have to submit an audit of the results every year. As part of the accreditation process, you must submit the cases that you did, not on a named basis, but the numbers and any complications that you encountered during the year. And they watch and look out for trends over time. And typically over time, they've seen that, you know, men are catching up with women classically in terms of the numbers of cosmetic surgery procedures. But there's been a change or a shift in the last number of years. So women are getting away from aesthetic surgery on the face and focusing more on the body. People believe that's because women are more likely to walk around in lycra and expose their, you know, their, their body and are more concerned about their body as opposed to their face. Part of it, of course, is what Aileen just said, that aesthetic treatments on the face no longer involve purely facelift surgery. You can have fillers and Botox and get a very good result. OK. And men are now focusing more on the face than on the body. So for years, men focused on, you know, excessive breast tissue, ab- excessive abdominal fat. But now there's a trend and a shift towards the facial features in men. And we're seeing more men turn up looking for blepharoplasty and facial cosmetic procedures. That's interesting. Uh, Sean, can I just ask you about that? Um, In terms of somebody coming and presenting themselves 
who isn't happy with their look or isn't happy with their body image. Is there a psychological piece there that, you know, you make a change cosmetically or, or medically and, you know, it doesn't solve the actual problem? Uh, talk to me a little bit about that and, and the, the judgment associated around that. I always like to tell the story of many years ago, I did a um, breast augmentation on a young lady, maybe about 21 years of age. She came in with her parents at 21, which tells you something. Yeah. And during that time, she hardly looked at me at all. I did this breast augmentation on her after three or four visits. Everyone knew what was going on. And about a year later, she came for a year check. This lady 